Welcome, everybody, to the Predictably Treacherous podcast. Today's episode is Suitable for Framing, starring Ross Martin and Tracy O'Connell. This is episode four of season one. This episode was directed by High Averback and written by Jackson Gillis. The original air date was November 17th, 1971, and the runtime was, you guessed it, 73 minutes. Let's get right to the episode summary. Art critic and international man of mystery Dale Kingston employs a middling art student to be his accomplice in the killing of his wealthy uncle. He then attempts to frame his uncle's ex-wife for the murder so that his uncle's vast art collection will fall to him. The Murder The opening scene is inside a gaudy mansion with stadium ceilings and sparkling chandeliers. An old man is sitting at a piano playing Chopin in his bathrobe, naturally. I don't know which one it is. It's one of the nocturnes. An international man of mystery with his rumpled velvet suit enters the room and appreciates the music. He checks his watch and then pulls out a gun and shoots the old man. There's a cool music effect as the camera shows the shocked faces of the many paintings hanging on the walls. The murderer goes upstairs and retrieves an electric blanket. This is L.A., by the way. From one of the bedrooms and covers the body on the floor. Then the ransacking trope begins. Knock over a lamp, flip over a chair, a table, pull books off of the shelves, throw a flower pot into the fireplace. Then he jimmies the patio door with a screwdriver. That'll fool him. The murderer begins taking some paintings down from the walls and removing the canvases from their frames. He takes two pastels of ballerinas and wraps them in brown paper that he tears from a large roll. The doorbell rings and he checks his watch. And he walks over to the door and looks through the peephole. He lets in his attractive female accomplice and tells her she's late. When she sees the body, she dramatically recoils. She regains her composure, and he kisses her for strength and leaves. She looks around at the art and marvels. She sits and looks at her watch on a big chain around her neck and waits. The international man of mystery is Dale Kingston, an art critic. He gets in his Rolls Royce and drives to an artist's showing. Inside, there are lots of pretentious people looking for art to hang in their bathrooms and a couple of girls in really short shorts. Dale arrives and the artist manager swoons for him. Dale, you never come to my showings. The invitation said there was free champagne. <laughs> Dale is supposed to be this highly respected art critic that writes scathing reviews of artists. He comes across as a bit of a diva, though. The artist is Sam Franklin. Dale makes a couple of condescending remarks about his works, and he begins fiddling with his watch. And Sam offers the time, 5 to 11. Dale is making a buffoon of himself at the artist's showing, and the attendees are eating it up. He frequently checks his watch. It's like he wants to make sure as many people as possible can account for him being there. There is a scene where Dale is surrounded by partygoers while he explains a piece that consists of these shiny, twisting metal strips hanging in the air, sort of like a mobile for an adult. He makes a joke about the relationship between the pieces being, quote, where it's at. I think it's a joke because everyone begins laughing and Kingston laughs, a work laugh, and then checks his watch while laughing. Where it's at is another way of saying the relationship between the pieces. I think that's kind of the joke. I mean, I've seen this episode about 20 times and I just realized this was a joke. 
Back at the house, the young woman, Tracy O'Connell, is an art student. She has begun preparing for her part in the crime. She has removed the electric blanket. She looks through the peephole and confirms that a security guard is outside the door doing his rounds. As he is about to drive away, she fires a gun out the window into the air. He stops the car, runs to the front door, fiddles with his keys and opens it. As the security guard enters the house, Tracy opens up the patio doors and runs down a long path of steps to her car and drives off. The security guard hears the noise and runs to the patio door, but Tracy is gone. The Columbo Intro Next scene, Columbo is in the house with the paintings. Some detectives are interviewing the butler. The coroner is heard saying that the man was killed by a single bullet to the heart, and the time of death was around 11 p.m. based on the temperature of the body. Kingston arrives at the house. The butler immediately rushes over to Kingston to tell him that he asked the police not to touch any of the paintings until he arrived. A detective pulls Kingston away, and Columbo asks the butler if Kingston is the new boss. The butler says he hopes that Kingston will keep him in his employ, as he was the deceased's only living relative, but he doesn't feel it's appropriate to talk about such things at a time like this. Columbo then dismisses the butler and looks, uh, locks onto Kingston. Rather than being sensitive to a man who just lost his only living relative, he begins asking Kingston seemingly meaningless and annoying questions. He asks him about the signature on a painting, and then another signature on another painting. Columbo says he wishes the artist would write their signatures more clearly. Kingston starts to get annoyed. Then they discover that the valuable pastels are missing, and Columbo wonders why the thief would take a relatively less valuable painting, then get smart and take the most valuable pastels. Kingston concedes that it seems inconsistent. A nice-looking female cop named Sally arrives. Actually, I guess she's a meter maid because she's wearing a slamming uniform with a short skirt, high heels, white gloves, hat askew. Lovely. They all go to the patio doors, and Columbo explains that they found the patio door open, but he can't figure out why the alarm didn't sound, and why didn't the thief just use the window? He claims all professional thieves use the window. Columbo tells Sally to go, and she starts running down the steps from the patio doors, and the security guard confirms from inside that that is what he heard when he entered the house. Kingston says, you mean the thief was a woman? Okay, I don't get this. I mean, did the thief wear high heels to a robbery? If you're a thief and you have to wear high heels as part of your cover, then at least bring some new balance to change into once the job's in progress. You can't be running down cobblestone steps in the dark in high heels. One of them, Columbo explains. One of the thieves, he means. There were too many paintings for one person to carry. Besides, the best way to beat an alarm is to have someone on the inside let you in. Okay, so they go back inside and Columbo asks Kingston how a thief would get any money for valuable paintings. Kingston says he could sell it in a foreign country or ransom it back to the owner. And Columbo says they should wiretap Kingston's phone since the thief will likely try to contact him. And Kingston reluctantly agrees. Okay, so the next day... Columbo arrives at Sam Franklin's gallery. He asks the artist manager what time Kingston arrived, but she's too hungover to remember. 
Columbo enters a room where Sam is painting a nude, and he averts his eyes in embarrassment. They, they do this in some Columbo episodes to show that Columbo's like a little shy about things like this. It's, I don't, I don't find it that endearing. Sam can't remember what time Kingston arrived. He's also hung over from the champagne the night before, but then he remembers that Kingston asked about the time because there was something wrong with his watch. Now the valet, who parked Kingston's car the night before, arrives. He remembers Kingston because he gave a large tip for help searching his trunk for a cufflink. He confirms the exact time that Kingston arrived. Let's listen to the clip. Hey, Joe. Didn't the other boys tell me you parked Kingston's car last night? Sure, I remember the guy who gave me two bucks. Two bucks? Just for parking a car? No, he lost a cufflink. Uh, I helped him search the whole car for it, trunk and everything. Did you find it? No. Why? Well, you know most people's trunks, they're kind of messy to look into. His wasn't. Nothing but a spare tire and a top coat. Nothing else in the whole car. What time was that, would you know? Oh, sure, because he asked me. Uh, something was wrong with his watch, I guess. Uh, it was five minutes to 11, sir. Well, what is this all about? Because, like, uh, Dale's uncle was murdered sometime last night, right? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> when I think what this is going to do to the art world, can you imagine an art critic inheriting that gorgeous collection? I don't. Hey. Hey, would you look at that? Blue horse. Two bucks. Blue horse. I love that blue horse painting. I like to have that hanging in my office. Now in Tracy's home, she's watching a live episode of Dale Kingston's TV show, Dale Kingston's World of Art. There's a crazy close-up fisheye shot of Kingston making some weird pun with wart, and you, you remove the W, and that leaves art. And then Kingston being a diva with the director, complaining about the, the shot at the end of the episode and leaving him with, quote, egg on his face. Tracy calls the studio. Kingston takes the Tracy call, and as Columbo approaches, he pretends that it's a call for an interview and hangs up. Columbo asks him some questions, and he's getting his makeup off. Kingston mentions that his uncle was married once and that his ex still goes by Matthews, so the thief may try to contact her. Now, Columbo says that the lab confirms that there was no way someone got in through the back door lock. So how did they get in? Your uncle wouldn't have let anyone in unless he knew him. Columbo says he checked Kingston's alibi and everything checks out. So if Matthews was killed at 11 p.m., then you sure didn't do it. Then Kingston says sarcastically, oh, what a shame. And here I am, your most obvious suspect. And Columbo says, it's not like that. It's just that he needs to explain all of these loose ends. Like, why would a person look in a trunk of a car for a missing cufflink? And Kingston tells him, it's because he threw his top coat into the trunk to keep it from getting stolen. Then later, he found it caught in his coat sleeve. And then we get the first confirmation that Columbo is on to Kingston. And he's letting Kingston know it. Let's listen to the clip. Do you know, in most cases, people, they don't remember what time it is. They forget all that. Like the artist fella. He's all mixed up about the time. And Mrs. Matthews, she don't even remember what time she went to bed last night. Well, being sober might help, I suppose. Now, with you, Mr. Kingston, it's just the opposite. Very unusual. With you, we know exactly where you were and when. Not only that... 
we know your whole car was empty. Yes, isn't that nice? After Kingston slyly says, isn't that nice? Columbo and Kingston look at each other, and Columbo knows, and Kingston knows, and they know each other knows. Okay, so finally, Columbo shows Kingston the blue horse painting, and he says it looks wonderful for wallpaper in a child's room. Great line. Columbo asks why he would go to the artist showing if this is what he thinks about his work, which is kind of a valid question. But Kingston has an equally valid response. He says that while he would like to review good art, that the papers pay handsomely for scathing reviews of bad art, of hacks. Okay, in the next scene, Kingston meets Tracy on a deserted country road. Actually, it looks like uh, the Hollywood Hills. Tracy gets the pastels from her trunk and gives them to Kingston. Kingston unwraps the pastels, and Tracy's impressed by them and asks why she can't paint like that. And Kingston says, patience. It takes patience to get what you really want, which is a great line. Of course, he's not talking about her artistic talent, but about his own desire for his uncle's art collection. At this point, Tracy's fulfilled her role in the plan and it's just a liability. So Kingston picks up a rock and then walks towards her, kills her with it. Kingston drives home to his apartment and gets the pastels out of the trunk. They're in a large folio. He enters his apartment and Columbo is there sleeping in a chair. Kingston's annoyed and says he's tired. And Columbo sees the folio and asks Kingston what it is. Kingston says there's some watercolors. And Columbo says, oh, I was just looking at watercolors. And he, he tries to reach into the folio and he, he does reach his arm in. But Kingston stops him uh, before he's able to pull them out. This is going to be important later. So the phone rings and it's actually the police calling to inform Columbo about Tracy's death. So he's asked to be informed about any artist who gets killed. So then Columbo leaves. In the next scene, Columbo meets Edna Matthews. They're going to the reading of a will. Uh, well, of Mr. Matthews' will. Columbo has brought a painting that Tracy was working on, and he shows it to Kingston and asks him if he recognizes it. He says no. Columbo tells him that he gave several lectures that the artist attended and shows him a picture of her. He says, don't be ridiculous. Thousands of students have attended my lectures. I've never seen that girl before in my life. So at the reading of the will, we discover that Matthews left his entire art collection to Edna, much to the shock of oh, her shock and everybody else's shock, except for Kingston. He seems to not be surprised at all by it. He handles it graciously. Now, after the reading, the lawyer tells Columbo that the rest of the estate that, that was left to Kingston, it's worthless because the house is actually rented and the furniture and all that crap. Columbo leaves quickly. He's looking for Kingston. and Kingston's actually waiting for him outside the building. Kingston berates Columbo for suspecting him in light of this new revelation. Columbo says, maybe you didn't know that your uncle changed your will. And Kingston actually produces a letter from Matthews to him explaining the change in the will. Columbo looks puzzled. So notice now they're out in the open about um, Columbo suspecting Kingston. They're not hiding it at all. Kingston's out in the open with it. Columbo's out in the open with it. The next scene, Columbo is in the apartment of the woman who lived next door to Tracy, the art student. She seems to be a busybody landlord type figure. She has a parakeet or a budgie 
It's kind of a, kind of a strange pet, you know. I like the chirping, but it, it's constant, and it's just such a non-interactive pet. I don't I don't really get it. Um, is is it a '70s thing? You don't see that a lot now. I know a couple people who have them now, but anyways, Columbo is trying to find out if Tracy was dating anyone. The woman says she has a picture. Uh, of an older gentleman that Tracy was dating. She gets out this photo album and starts going through all the pictures and telling Columbo stories and who the people are. Columbo's growing impatient, but she finally shows him the picture and it's not Kingston. So I don't really know what the point of this scene was. <laughs> it, was just, it was just a little bit of transition and relief. Maybe they needed to, to get it up to 73 minutes and they thought, oh, let's put in a three-minute scene where he goes to a person's house and gets no information. Okay, so outside Edna's home, uh, the gardener is spraying the plants with this, it's like this aerosol can of pesticide. I started thinking how this has got to be uh, chloral floral carbons. I mean, he was just destroying the atmosphere with this thing and he, he doesn't realize it. Anyways, he's spraying flowers with this aerosol can to, to kill bugs and stuff. And um, there's a cop there. He's just kind of milling around. I, I guess, you know, there's a murder there a couple of days ago. So I guess he's just watching the scene. And um, they're talking about aphids and roses. Anyways, the gardener finds a gun. And uh, the cop, uh, cop seriously tells him. That's, that's about that. That's important because that's the pathway that the murderer ran down after the murder. So it seems like they would have disposed of the gun there. And it's right between Edna's place and Mr. Matthew's place. So anyways. So now we have Columbo speaking with Edna in her home. By the way, she looks like Roddy Doyle's character from the episode Short Fuse, which is coming up in a couple weeks. It's really kind of creepy, actually. So Edna is telling Columbo about her divorce from Rudy. Rudy Matthews, and then how they started to reconcile. She said Rudy and her bumped into each other uh, a couple of months ago, and they were older and things were different. And Rudy had decided that he was tired of the greed and the hoarding that came with owning a vast art collection, and that the art really belonged to the people. He had decided that he wanted to give them all away, so he changed his will to give the paintings to Edna so that Kingston wouldn't get his greedy hands on them. So now Columbo has real motive. Okay, let's recap what has happened thus far. Art critic Dale Kingston conspires with an art student to kill his uncle. His intention is to frame his uncle's ex-wife for the killing. Once the art student has performed her part, Kingston disposes of her. Columbo is on to Kingston, but so far doesn't have the proof that he needs to make an arrest. The setup. So now we're in Edna's home. Kingston arrives, saying he was invited by Columbo. Columbo explains that a gun was found near Edna's home, and it's the same model of the gun that was taken from Matthew's desk. Columbo makes a phone call to ballistics to check on the report, and it is indeed the murder weapon. Edna says she can't believe it, that she takes walks up that path frequently. Kingston tries to hush her for her own good. Columbo tells her she has nothing to worry about, because the person who ran out of the house that night uh, of Matthew's death just kept running down the path and discarded the gun along the way. He says that the killer could have been anyone. <laughs> 
Edna leaves for shopping and Dale questions Columbo whether he really believes Edna had nothing to do with it. Columbo says he really does think she's innocent. Another detective comes out uh, of the back of Edna's house and tells Columbo that they found wrapping paper, like the, the paper in Matthew's home, in the garbage. Kingston says that this looks bad for Edna, but he says he still thinks she, she didn't do it. Columbo says he agrees with him. He says that Edna's a vulnerable woman, and he doesn't want to press her for fear that she will fall apart. Columbo says that he'll just wait until the stolen paintings show up. Kingston asks if they have searched the inside of Edna's home yet, and they haven't. And Kingston suggests that Columbo search the house for Edna's sake to, to prove her innocence. And Columbo declines. So this is Columbo setting up Kingston. He's trying to indicate to Kingston that he's not going to pursue Edna. It's not going to happen. He's forcing Kingston to have to make a move. So Dale goes, to, sorry, Kingston goes to his lawyer and explains that searching Edna's home will clear her in case Columbo changes his mind down the road and decides that she is the primary suspect. Um, he says that Columbo doesn't want to search the home and he, he's pondering, oh, is there any way around it anyway? And then the lawyer, he decides, uh, he agrees and he says, oh, I'll contact a friend at City Hall and make the arrangements. And then he has Edna paged at the fashion center because I guess it's going to happen in like the next 20 minutes. They're going to, he's going to call his friend at City Hall who's going to make a move. They're going to do the search all in about 30 minutes here. So anyways, when Edna arrives after being paged at the fashion center, when she arrives at the lawyer's office in the parking lot, she gets out of the car frantically, goes into the building, but Dale, he, Kingston, he gets out of his car and he takes the paintings from his trunk. He's uh, looking all, you know, incognito. And he hides them in the boxes that Edna purchased at the fashion center. So they're in the backseat of her car and he shoves the paintings inside the boxes. Um, so the lawyer and Edna then drive to Edna's home, okay, and Dale follows in his Rolls Royce. So the lawyer brings in the boxes into Edna's home, and Dale makes them drinks, but then he purposely spills a drink on himself, and then he excuses himself to the other room where the lawyer put the boxes from the fashion center. Um, so that in that room, he takes the paintings out of the boxes and he shoves them in the linen closet, kind of in between some linens, towels. Okay. Um, what do we got next? Okay. So the police arrive. This is very fast. The police arrive to execute a search warrant. Columbo arrives moments later. So after the search has begun. And Columbo acts like, oh, they went around me and all this. Um, he acts like he doesn't know why the search is taking place. And he's been, as he calls it, bypassed. So at this point, Dale says like the best line of the episode. Um, you know, oh, I don't know what happened. Uh, it looks like I've been bypassed here. And Dale says, uh, <laughs> maybe you're just not needed here. So why don't you go home and have your dinner? <laughs> it's a great one. Okay, Columbo says, uh, no, no, he, he says, like, look, I, I should stay. This is going to look bad if I leave. Uh, so there's a little clip here, so let's listen to it. Oh, hi, Mr. Kingston. Yeah, hello, Lieutenant. Listen, I just heard about this. You know, word came down from above to have the place searched. Uh, yeah. Is that so? Yeah, and I, I, I can't understand why. Uh, the fact is, uh, I was kind of bypassed when I came over here. Well, apparently you're just not needed here then, Lieutenant. Why don't you just go home and have your dinner? Awesome. Best line of the episode. Okay. The get. So the detectives bring through some linens and place them on the table, the coffee table. 
There's a great overhead shot of everyone in the living room as the linens are placed on the coffee table. They open them up to reveal the two pastels. Okay, so let's, this is a long clip, chopping down. Let's listen to it. This is kind of the whole get. Where'd you find those? Linen closet. Hidden. How could you? Do you intend to charge her formally, Captain? It's up to Lieutenant Colombo. It's his case. What do you mean it's his case? I thought it was... We know what you thought, Mr. Kingston. May I ask what this is all about, Lieutenant? I'd have to start with your uncle's will. Well, you see, he pulled the rug out from under you when he left his collection to Mrs. Matthews. So you uh, only had one thing that you could do. Murder him and blame it on her. You see, under the law, anyone who criminally causes the death of someone else can't inherit from that person. So if Mrs. Matthews is convicted, you're next in line. Everything goes to you. That's why you planted the gun. And that's why you planted the wrapping paper. And that's why you planted these paintings. Teo! I can't believe it. Oh, but you'd like to, wouldn't you? Get you right off the hook. You claim that I planted these paintings? Suppose you prove it. Can we? Yeah. Yeah. With fingerprints. Uh, sorry to disappoint you, Lieutenant. Fingerprints won't help you at all. My fingerprints are all over those paintings. My uncle and I unwrapped them when they came back from the exhibit. I told you, didn't I? I told you myself. They're covered with my prints. No, we're not looking for your prints. Do you remember the time that I was in your apartment and you came in with some paintings and you said that they were watercolors and you wanted to evaluate them? And remember, I wanted to see them and you wouldn't let me? And I even touched them? Yes, my fingerprints are on those paintings. Now, if Mrs. Matthews is guilty, how could my fingerprints get on paintings that she stole? Uh, this is entrapment. It's a setup, that's all. You, you, you touched those paintings just now while I wasn't looking. You saw him do it, didn't you? You put your prints on those paintings while you were bent over watching them when they were working on it. He touched them. You touched... You... Okay, that was a long clip. So just to clarify, uh, look, I hate cutting up clips like that. That was like a six-minute clip cut up into about two minutes, so I skipped out a lot of just uh, dead dead air as well as like um unnecessary exposition <laughs> anyways okay so um at the end there we hear the music come in that's because kingston says colombo no it's trap it's trap and colombo lifts his hands out of his pockets and he's wearing gloves so he didn't touch the paintings just now his fingerprints were on there from earlier and he has this kind of like Ooh, what can i do face and then the uh, the credits roll so it's a pretty cool ending um but you know if, you, if you're just hearing it and you're not seeing it it can be kind of weird okay just wanted to clarify that a good episode overall um, I always enjoy an episode where the killer has like such an elaborate scheme, including, I mean, they all have elaborate schemes, but including an accomplice. And when you can, you can just see the accomplice is, is being set up to be killed. Also, I love when the accomplice is romantically involved with the killer. It's, it's a good little twist. Um, I rank this episode 23rd of 43. <laughs> I, I, looking back on that, I'm, I feel like that's a little low. I feel like it should be ranked a bit higher. But anyways, that's, that's what I'm going with for now. So I just want to address as well, I, um, I haven't released an episode here in, uh, or a, a podcast episode in like two months. Had a bit of a hiatus, you know. It wasn't anything important. I just couldn't get my, sh my, my life together, you know. Uh, just stuff happens and can't get into a routine. Um, so I'm going to try to be more regular with releasing episodes. Don't want to uh, 
don't want to annoy the fan base, as Murray would say. Um, so if you listen to the podcast on a regular basis, drop me an email. My email's um, predictably treacherous podcast at gmail.com. So for the fan base out there, send me an email. Let me know you're a listener. If you have any suggestions, something you want me to uh, talk about, no problem. Be happy to do that. Not really going to do that. I'm just going to talk about what I want to, but it'd be nice to hear about it. Um, you can also visit my uh, website if you want to. Um, it's uh, predictablytreacherous.com. Check out the um, lame posts I've put out there, movie reviews, other stuff like that. There's some pretty cool stuff, actually. Um, you're going to have to forgive the state of the website. But, uh, I mucked about with the CSS about six months ago, and I haven't fixed it yet. I don't know. Another one of those things you just get around to when you get around to. All right, here we go. So who's in the episode? Ross Martin. Um, <clears throat> he played Kingston, Dale Kingston. And uh, Ross Martin, the actor, was born in 1920, and he died in 1981 of heart attack. Um, he's Polish originally. He emigrated to the U.S. in his youth. I think he settled in the Bronx or something like that. <clears throat> Looks like he was married twice. He had a daughter uh, from his first marriage. Second marriage, he adopted the two kids, but they didn't have any children of their own. Um, anyways, not important. Columbo is only Columbo episode, which is it's kind of it's kind of too bad. I liked him as a villain. Kind of felt like he deserved a, a second episode at least. Um, you get guys like uh, Cassidy who have three episodes. And they're they're the top notch. But I feel like he deserves Ross Martin deserved two episodes. He was good. I liked him. He was super snarky with Columbo. Um, some of the one lines he gave in it were fantastic. Um, you know the one about go home and have your dinner. Um, he said a couple other things that were really good too. He had a good line to um, uh, the woman he killed there um, about patience, Tracy O'Connell. Um, patience and good things. Uh, it takes patience to get what you want, that sort of stuff. Anyways, he was good. So he's uh, the actor, Ross Martin, kind of best known for a recurring role he had in uh, Wild Wild West. Um, and he actually, in that show, Wild Wild West, Robert Conrad is also starring in that show, and he was an excellent villain in Columbo. He's coming up in season five? I think it's season five. Um, Milo Janis, that's his name. <laughs> Anyways, it's good stuff. Hopefully we'll get there one day. Wild Wild West. I never watched Wild Wild West. Nah. Anyways, that's what he's known for. I, I've, I don't have any insight into it. Art student Tracy O'Connell. Okay. Uh, she was actually the actress who played her. Her name was Rosanna Huffman. And she was actually the spouse of Richard Levinson, who was the co-creator of Columbo. Um, he wrote some episodes. I don't remember if he wrote this one. I don't think he wrote this one. Anyways, um, married to Richard Levinson. She was uh, born in 1938, died in 2016, pretty recently. Um, she's done like a lot of you know, various TV and movie appearances all the way from 1970s, sorry, 1967 to, to 2000. I, I don't think I've seen anything she's been in. Um, I mean, I've seen some of the shows or whatever, but I don't recognize her from any of it. Um, I, she obviously didn't have like a real central role that she's known for. I guess she had a recurring role on a show called Murder One in the late 90s. I've 
Never even heard of that. This is her only Columbo appearance. She was a good villain. I gave her a four out of five on the Lily Lasanka scale for victims. Um, I mean, she participated in a planned murder, and then she wanted to be romantically involved with the murderer. That's that's incredible stuff. That is Lily Lasanka level. Okay, so next week on the Predictably Treacherous podcast, another Columbo episode. Hey, listen, when I say next week, I mean next episode. It might not be next week. Anyways, Lady in Waiting, starring Susan Clark and Leslie Nielsen. Here's a brief summary. Desperate to get out from under her brother's thumb so that she can marry her lover, a woman plans and executes the killing of her brother and frames it as an accident. Tune in next week. Thank you.